Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast brought to you by SME Strategy. Our goal on the Strategy and Leadership Podcast is to bring you practical and actionable tools that you can implement with your teams right away. My name is Anthony Taylor and I'll be your host. Each episode, I'll interview a senior leader or a thought leader that will help you elevate your ability to lead people and drive your organization's strategy forward. Our partner is Cascade Strategy. They're our favorite tool for tracking and executing strategic plans, providing visibility for your entire team, and helping everybody have insight into where you're going and what you need to do to get there. If you're looking to improve your strategy execution, visit smestrategy.net slash cascade for a link for a free 90-day trial so you can see for yourself if you enjoy it and it helps your team move forward. So with that, I want to thank you again for joining us, and we'll get there, into folks, today's ladies, guest. ladies, gentlemen, and people, I'm so excited to have you join us today on this episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Today, I am joined by Amos Schwartzfarb, who is the Managing Director of Techstars Austin. He's written two best-selling books, including his most recent one, Levers, Framework for Building Repeatability in your business. Amos, how are you today? Great. I'm so psyched to be here. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm, I'm freaking jacked. I'm like, I know we had a great chat before and I'm just so excited to talk about basically everything you've seen in your life, everything that's going on. In, everything? It's just everything, <laughs> like top to bottom, soup to nuts. Uh, nice. I'm stoked for it. And I know that we've got a lot of people around the world excited to be here. So if you're joining us on YouTube, if you're joining us on a webinar, be sure to say what's up to Amos. But uh, Amos, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and then also your co-author who was not able to make it here today. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So my background is I I was building companies really since the mid nineties and operating for a super long time and, and have been a part of five, you know, pretty successful companies from, you know, almost day zero, or in some cases I was the founder. And six years ago, I took over the role as managing director of Techstars Austin, where I'm investing in early stage companies and helping them. And Trevor has very similar background started you know early on as a as a founder and early employee of companies and then we worked together at Techstars he was at another accelerator prior to that and we sort of looked around and said what do you know what are the common things that companies need that they don't get and we were really doing it from the lens of how do we help our portfolio and this goes back some, you know many many years and it essentially culminated in us saying like you know creating this process which is what you know the book came out of that helps to, to get founders and business people and leaders and CEOs on the track to being truly, truly metrics driven to so that they can find repeatability in their business and then, you know, essentially create the world that they see. Mm, I love that. So we're going to just jump right in. Is that cool with you? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you had said a couple of things. You said on the track to being metrics driven, using metrics to drive the business forward and to create repeatability. So how does that tie into the idea of accelerator? Because not every business, most businesses, I would argue, don't go through an accelerator. So what is the secret sauce of an accelerator that really helps a business grow, thrive, move into that next Yeah, stage? well, and first, let's just, let's separate the two. I mean, I think, you know, we, we can have a whole conversation around accelerators and who accelerators are good for and who, you know, who needs them and who doesn't need them. 
I think the, the, the thing about the, you know, the process that we've created, and, and I want to really be clear, the pieces in it, there's, you know, there's nothing we've invented. There's things that we have evolved. But the thing that we've done is we've created it and, and created a system around it so that it is an easy to understand and easy to do set of frameworks that get a company there. When we look, we'll talk specifically about Techstars for a minute. You know, I have 50 peers that do what I do around the world. Not everybody runs the same program with their companies that I do with the ones that come through Austin. For me, because I believe so deeply in being a metrics-driven business, it was important for me to figure out how do I, how do I help companies and CEOs and leaders find their own path to being metrics-driven so that's what I, we do in our, you know, one of the core things we do in our accelerator in Austin for Texas Austin, but an accelerator, when I think about that is really like, you know, like, again, separate the process from it. If you are a, a leader or a company and recognize how hard it is to start companies and you're looking and, and to grow and to create something and you're, and you're looking to expand your network and you're looking for as many resources as you possibly can get and help with fundraising and help with an introduction to investors, that's the way to look at an accelerator. Got that. So I know that there's some businesses, one of the biggest like lead magnets we have on our website is our goal setting guide because people want to be metrics driven. So let's look at the end part. Why is it important? How does metrics driven business contribute to an organization's success? And then we can go backwards and get into the how and then we'll go. Yeah. And let me start with this. I think that there are a lot and I would argue most business leaders, CEOs, GMs, founders are very metrics aware. They understand that there are things in their business numbers that are important. And, and my experience is that the vast majority of them don't really understand the difference between metrics aware, which is more looking backwards. Here's where we are and here's how we got here versus being metrics driven, which is saying, here's where we are. If I do these specific things, here's where we will be. And so like a visual that you can maybe put in your head is if you have a crystal ball, a foggy crystal ball will not tell you what is going to happen in the future. But a very the more clear the crystal ball becomes, the better that you can project what the future is. And as you become more metrics driven, you are clearing up that crystal ball so that you can literally if the world stays the way that it stays and all the things that you understand about your business that are true remain true in the way that they are, you will have a very clear picture and ability to predict the future. Now, an outside thing you know, can alter that, but because you have such a clear picture of what the future would look like with the things you know, it becomes really easy to pinpoint this particular thing change in extreme detail. How do I now work to use that to my advantage or what do I need to change and shift? Mm -hmm. To me, that's the difference between being metrics driven and metrics aware. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I imagine it's, uh, I don't know if it's a tough sell where you have organizations that you have come in and say, you know, you're saying, Hey, I can give you the crystal ball. There is a crystal ball. You just need to trust me to look into it. So what are some of those practical things? What are some like, you know, success stories, war stories that you have from organizations that have decided to in, move from metrics aware to metrics driven? And what are some of the critical considerations, you know, leadership teams, businesses have to think about as they start putting that process structure and thinking in place? Yeah, I think there's a lot wrapped up in that question, but it's a great, it's a great question. I think, you know, first, 
it starts early. It starts, you know, in the best case, it starts before, you know, you've actually launched a business, right? All of your pre-decision making on the, on the direction that you even head and what the things that you do, whether you're a retail shop or a bar or a SaaS business, it doesn't matter, right? Like, uh, but doing the research and getting an understanding of the things that you believe to be true and how do you validate those things to move into actually starting and running the business. So I think it starts early and it starts at the top. And I think, you know, one of the things that it may seem a little unsexy, but actually is really critical. And I, in my opinion, actually really sexy is that Regardless of how big your vision is to change the world, again, whether whether you're a, an apparel shop that sells clothing on Main Street of your hometown or you're the next, you know, $20 billion SaaS company, in either case, no matter what your product is, your business is really just a math equation. Mm-hmm. And and a, and a com- very complex math equation. It's a massive calculus equation. And so, whether you're selling, you know, T-shirts or dresses or software marketing automation sh- software, like there there is a bunch of data and math that goes into figuring out how the pieces fit together to to create something that is truly repeatable, that truly can scale, truly can grow, truly can reach its maximum potential. So, that, so I think you know, going back to some of your question, like what are the critical considerations? The thing that we try to get out in the book lever specifically is exactly that. It, they're different for every business. So how do you figure out what are those key considerations by literally unwrapping as deeply as you can the core elements of your business then putting them back together with the information you have so that you start to create? We use the term plan and financial model pretty interchangeably, mm-hmm. but those are, those are the other ways to say the crystal ball that will be foggy at first and over time become more clear. Yeah, I get that. Because I mean, one of the things that I find, and I'm sure that you see that as you, you're leading and supporting all of these individual leaders, they have their own different backgrounds, experience, and we'll call it like set of tools that they can pull on. And I imagine, you know, with Techstars, you say, hey, like, here's the tool that we use to be able to start to unpack and dig into that. And and what's really valuable, I assert, is you're being able to take with your team and, and group of experts an objective step away view from their business so that you can actually like critically look at all of the individual pieces and components of their business that they have. Fair to say? To- totally fair to say. And, you know, I think, you know, another way to say it is it, this is you know, specific to the levers process, it is a way to work on your business so that you and your entire team can work better inside of your business over time. And, and you're right, we're, you know, you're seeing all the sort of like the core elements and process really challenges you to go deep into the, into the details, which are, you know, sometimes they're sort of like for, for founders and CEOs, like they're in your head somewhere. And they may make sense to you, but they're not necessarily laid out. And, and often because of that, you miss some of the nuance of the details. And so the, the process is intended to do that, which is pick apart, you know, with the five core elements are, you know, fig, you know, your customer and data to prove that you're right, your business model and data to prove that you're right, you know, and then, and, and there's, you know, three other core elements, but those two in particular, they, they really, you know, the way that we've set up the framework, they force you to think about the, the deep, deep, deep detail of what those things are. So that you can get into step three, which is, okay, what am I really supposed to do next? And why is that the thing? And what does it unlock for me to do after that and after that and after that? The fourth step in the process is around measurement or KPIs, which are, you know, obviously most people know what KPIs are, key performance indicators. And what we've tried to do is to say, okay, 
in this process, what is a really simple way to say, I, if I'm measuring this thing, what is it that I'm measuring? How do I measure it? And what, it, what does it unlock for me? You know, the last step is building your building your plan, which is, you know, for us synonymous with financial model, but building that model so that you're saying, OK, I've got all the things that I think I need to do, regardless of your stage. doesn't matter if you're, you know, day zero of a business or day 10,000 of a business and you're doing, you know, millions or hundreds of millions in revenue. You still have to do these core things all the time. The way you do it may change a little bit, but they're all still core to your business. Hmm. Well, what really stuck out to me from what you shared is, is the word unlock. And then you have the idea of like math and unlocking. And that from, you know, my experience, CEOs, founders, even senior leaders, the good ones have a very narrow set of things that they're trying to work on at a time. They're not working on like 10 projects. They're like, okay, I'm hyper-focused on this thing. And it sounds like, and if you hyper-focus on this thing, whatever it is, typically revenue or something that you do the equations, you work it out, you build the machine, then you go like, vroom, 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 and then it unlocks a, a new level or like a new place for your company to get to. But it takes focused effort. It takes unpeeling those layers and it takes really like, well, just focus to move it forward. So how have you seen it? A, is that right? And B, how have you seen that play out with some of the successful organizations and companies that have gone through Techstars or even in the other businesses you've been involved in? Yeah, um, I, that, that is right. And I think the thing that I want to sort of highlight there is that it's the level of detail that that you start to unlock that, you know, if you're just sort of like sitting around at a table saying like, okay, here are the things we need to do. And here's why, like you, you get to some of that, but the process really forces you to get to a much greater level of detail. So you see really critically how things interplay with each other. And when you do this right with your executive team, you're doing that as a team. So everybody becomes really aligned. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, you know, really the way that I've seen it play out is that one, there's a lot of different facets to one. It gives companies and, and leaders a lot more confidence and data-driven confidence, not blind confidence, not conviction confidence, but data-driven confidence on the moves that they're making, the steps that they're taking to grow the business. It gives them a, a much clearer path on what they need to do and a much, much quicker path to seeing when they're wrong, which is very common, especially the earlier stage business that you are. It creates a much easier path to fundraising if that is the path you're going on. What do you I consider have, early stage business? Sorry to interrupt, like because we, were, Jason and I, who's on my team, we we're talking about small business. What do you consider early stage in the realm of sort of maturity, sophistication? Yeah, it's a good question because I probably say it in a few different ways. When in the context that I'm saying it now, I'm saying early stage and like somewhere between day zero and finding the beginning of repeatability, even if you don't understand how to get to that repeatability. Okay. And what I think is interesting is that some people are five years, 10 years, 15 years in, and because of, and I had to, had to say, you know, like COVID and changes is that there has been some changes, some differences in repeatability, their ability to, because the market has changed. So I'm trying to see like, Hey, when you build something and then it flies and then, oh, actually, you need to get it to another level and what needs to change in that repeatability to get that new result yep. and potentially scaling or something else. Yeah. Yeah. And you say something interesting there, which is you know, a little bit of a tangent, but I think that a lot of times the, the concept of repeatability, th that step is completely skipped. So, for example, a company will start to see some sales traction. And they'll immediately jump to 
to growth, to scaling it. And, and yet they don't really understand, you know, they think they do on the surface, but deep down, they don't really understand what is the mechanisms that are, that need to be repeatable there. And so, you know, they throw some bodies at a thing that they think that they have found and they're skipping the repeatable, you know, the proof that you have found repeatability and what that repeatability is. And then inevitably the scaling doesn't work. You're dialing back. You know, I think the, the notion of like, how do I, how do I get to repeatability first scale second is, is really important. And, you know, to, so answering sort of the second part of your question before, you know, on top of helping with things like fundraising at any stage, because it gives a much clearer picture to the investors of what your plan is. When I've seen it work best, you see this like, you know, you might see a company like chugging along, could be for a long time, five, six, seven years, but then they figured out a couple of these pieces of repeatability and you literally see almost overnight that hockey stick. Wow. Uh, tech or otherwise, right? Because we were talking, yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's one of the things we were talking about in our sort of pre pre lobby about the difference is like, hey, do these things apply to because you're tech stars, tech companies, and then the difference between sort of tech enabled companies and every company is a, is a tech company. So, any thoughts on 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 that both hockey stick growth and then what it means to be a tech company in twenty twenty some odd? Yeah, well, and I'll start by saying like, in t- at tech stars Austin, the tech part of that doesn't like we I invest in a lot of I've invested in food companies and in restaurant uh, restaurant or not restaurant but like well the, it's a company called Skip Town out of Charlotte and it, so it's a, basically a bar that is very dog friendly and high end mm-hmm. um, and the intention is to you know franchise nationwide so to me the, like the the concept of like a tech company yes there is a definition for that and also in terms of investing, I think that it's almost become like a catch-all. Like, every, yeah, every company is a tech company, right? Like if you're advertising online, you know, yeah, you might not have deep tech, but you're, you're using technology to drive the things that you're doing. So I don't think about tech in that way anymore. You know, and if you even just look at, you know, Peloton, is Peloton a tech company? I mean, you can argue yes, you can argue no. Or Cotopaxi, which is a clothing company. Yeah. And these are all venture-backed companies. Yeah, interesting. Well, I mean, I think that's what you, the systems, processes, structures that you have to build for that. I know I, I have one flaw that we joke is that I ask multiple questions at once. Have I not answered? Are there any other sort of outstanding questions before I move on to my next one? Oh, yeah. So you and I make a good pair because I'm really good at hearing, like, the last thing and sometimes the first thing and nothing in between. So... I missed it if there's another question in there. <laughs> okay, perfect. So that's that's great. If anybody else has a question, please put it in the chat, whether you're on YouTube, or Jason's taking an eye on that, or if you're in the chat box, please put it in there. And if you haven't yet, be sure to like and subscribe. Amos, I have a question for you around scaling and leadership teams. And I'm, whether you're an investor, whether you're a CEO, you know, you're looking at the composition of your leadership team. The company went from point A to point B, so maybe market validation or you had to turn it around and got to a point. You know, what is required and what do you look for out of a leadership team of a company that wants to take it to that next level? What are some of those, you know, secret ingredients or what do you find being critical must-haves as part of a composition of a leadership team of a company that's going to move forward? Yeah, for me, the most important thing is really my belief around the CEO, a couple of things around the CEO. Do I believe that the CEO, like just in my gut and my instinct and to the degree that I can look into sort of their past, do I believe that the CEO has the ability to 
to build something meaningful, right? Because whatever they're doing, especially at Techstars, the thing that I know for certain is whatever they're doing today is not what they're going to be doing in five years from now. It's just not. And it's not going to be what they're doing in 10. So, so do I think that they have the, the ability and the staying power to, you know, to be in this for 10 plus years and continue to evolve and lead and grow and stay motivated. And, you know, you know, everyone has their down days, weeks, and even months, but like, do I, do I in my gut believe that, you know, the CEO can do that? And one of many check marks, check boxes for that is if I were going to go back to the operating side, is it someone that I'd want to work for? So I, I, th- I try to think about it that way. It's really important to me that they, that they, understand and respect what it means to be data-driven and metrics-driven. I don't care if they're not great at it yet because I think it's something that that you can learn, but you have to believe that it's important. And you would think most people would understand that, but as I sort of dig into how people make their decisions and, you know, it's really like, you know, I'll ask lots of questions around their decision-making, which may have nothing to do with their business. And I'm trying to see how they think about and process their decision-making. That's a really key element. And then the third thing is, do I believe that they can attract great talent around them? You know, can they build a great leadership team? And And if they bring someone on and it's not the right person, you know, what do they do about that? So for me, most of my decision-making when I'm specifically around investing is around the CEO and those things. And then sort of secondarily, you know, the team that's in place and it all sort of ties back to the CEO, do I think it's a cohesive team? Do they work well together? And, you know, if I have conviction that the CEO can build a good team and track great talent, then the team box should be checked pretty quickly. Hmm. I find that interesting because, you know, it's really great talent decision-making and being able to make that, that like data-driven decisions. But having seen all the companies and even just from your perspective, what makes good team chemistry in terms of being able to make those decisions at the team level? Cause you know, sometimes CEOs might not agree with their leadership team and sometimes leadership teams might not agree with the CEO, but you have to be able to work through that process. So is there either the levers formula within that or just a just general management thing that you'd like to espouse to people as you help them work through that? Yeah, I think there's a few things. You know, I think the, the thing that I would maybe say last, not because it's last, but I'll say it first, which is that the whole team has to be making decisions based on data and metrics. And, you know, you're, yeah, you're, Instinct and your conviction may drive your direction, you know, your direction, but execution still needs to come from, you know, as much data as you can collect on it. You know, does the team operate in that way, right? Or are there members of the team who operate outside of that, which is dangerous because, you you know, even if you're right a lot and, but if you're always acting on your conviction and not on the, on the data to back it up, you'll get yourself into trouble. So that, that's one thing, you know, does the whole team operate that way? The next two things I think are important to me, but I don't, you know, I think you can build great companies without these things. But for me, is it a team that like the goal is really clear and everyone is putting the goal before themselves. And it's the second part of that. That's important, right? Like you have to have a clear goal to be able to do that, but is everybody putting the goal before themselves? So, you know, another way to say that is, are they able to put their egos aside around whose idea it was or who's right or who's wrong? Because you're, you're moving closer to the thing that actually matter in the end, which is building a really, you know, impactful business if you're helping the people you're trying to help and sort of like coupled with that. But the third thing is like how collaborative, you know, how well does the team actually work together? How collaborative are they? I think you can build, you know, good companies without ridiculously collaborative teams. 
I personally don't enjoy being on those types of comp- in those companies, and I think they're a lot more fun to work when people are working together. So, you know, two and three are sort of they're related, but they're you know a little little different. Yeah, that makes sense. So the collaborative nature, the importance of data, the importance of having a clear goal. One of the questions in the chat was, you know, how do you plan finances and strategy? So how do you tie that finance and strategy component? You know, do you use what do you focus on? What are some of the specific calculations you use? And then I'd be interested to know you say, hey, we got to make sure we're driving data using data. What are the data points that you look for to say, hey, this is where we need to focus on? And I know you mentioned it's different for everybody, but are there some that are more common than others? Yeah. So I think, you know, the the levers process is designed to do exactly what you just described, right? The, the, The final the final step is building a model with the data that you collect have collected or still believe you need to collect and creating an assumption driven forward looking financial model. And so, you know, really the answer to your question is it is different for a business. The model will tell you the things that you need to go focus on. And so I'll say something that maybe is what you're getting at and, and a nuance that gets missed. Looking at revenue as the indicator of success and failure in my mind is, is a huge miss. It's, it's a lagging indicator of what you've already done and not a leading indicator of what you still are able to do over the course of the next week, month, year, five years, 10 years, whatever it might be. And so it's why we, so we, I lean so heavily into a forward-looking financial model as your crystal ball to say, okay, we got this revenue, great, but why did we get it? What are the things that made us get there? How deeply do we understand those things? And do we understand them deeply enough that if we replicate them exactly, we will get the same result? Or if not, why? Because that means we're not replicating exactly what's changed and how do we continue to alter that? Does that answer your question? Yeah, kind of. I, I think it's, I mean, at the at the heart of it, I have one of my colleagues, Carl Cox, and, and he said he went to go talk to a university. And they said, you know, like the thing that we track, the thing that we want is enrollments. So the enrollments akin to revenue. And said, well, what really drives that? And he like took like 10 steps down going to leading indicators. And he said, oh, the one thing that really drives that is campus visits. The more campus visits we have, the more outcome we have. And like, that's the lever. Like that's it, right? So how do you drive more campus visits? Right. And then when you get nail that thing, something else will break in the flow. Then you can go and say, okay, how do we do more of that? Right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I guess my, as we start to wind down, if anybody else has any chat uh, questions, what do you love the most? What excites you most about life and work right now? What jazzes you? What like you got excited once you got that lever where you're like, oh yeah, hell yeah. So like, what are the things that really, you know, drive your passion at this point, your career? Yeah, this may sound cliche, but I, I, I think I've always liked to learn new things, but I don't know that I ever would have said that about myself until recently. And, and I think, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy about using the leverage process with companies is because I'm getting to learn new things and new business models and a lot of new things, but I'm, I'm really driven by things that seem interesting to me that I know very little about. So I, I even tend at Techstars to invest in companies where I don't have a deep domain expertise at all. You know, the expertise that I'll bring to the founders is, is this, it's the leverage, right? How do you build a business? But then like the, you know, the industry or the seg, you know, the segment stuff, like I want to sort of like, how much can I learn about manufacturing pants, 
<laughs> I, this is a company I'm invested in, right? But it's an apparel company, and they primarily make men's men's pants. Like, I love I love how much I'm learning about that process. So I think that's for me that's the biggest driver right now. And at the point I am in my life is is there something interesting and in how deep how deeply can I learn it? Yeah, and I think that's what's cool about your process is that every business fundamentally is the same. The, they make a widget. It's just once you figure out what the widget is and what levers you need to pull to be able to make that widget more effectively, then like that's the, the outcome. You can yeah. Make. Speaking out of both sides of both of analysis, every business is exactly the same and every business is not at all the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I get that. Cool. So where can people connect with you? Where can they people learn more about your work? Where can they get your book? Yeah. Best way to connect with me is probably on LinkedIn. I'm the only Amos Schwartzfarb in the world, so it's not hard to find me. Uh, you can get the book anywhere books are sold, or more specifically, you can go to the book website, which is leversbook.com, leversbook.com. And if you're interested in Techstars, you can hit me up on, on LinkedIn, or you can email me at amos at techstars.com. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Trevor, the co-author, who unfortunately couldn't make it today, uh, and I also separately, we work with later stage companies, companies that are, you know, generating revenue and sort of on the cusp of finding repeatability. Um, we work with them through this process on a coaching business as well. So um, you can reach out to me uh, on LinkedIn for that as well. Awesome. And anything that you want to say to our listeners who are, you know, senior leaders, middle managers, entrepreneurs, any sort of words of wisdom that you want to leave as you uh, walk out the door here? Yes. Find your crystal ball and make it as clear as possible. And if, you know, if we can help you with that, we'd love to. But uh, regardless of that, find that guiding light and find that crystal ball to get there. Awesome. I appreciate that, Amos. And so if, if you enjoyed today's webinar, we actually have a community on uh, strategy and leadership. Where we'll be continuing this conversation. So we'd love to hear about where you are going to apply your crystal ball, what levers you're going to pull and what next steps you're going to take on this. So be sure to join the community. Be sure to connect with the one and only Amos Schwartzfarb on LinkedIn and on the internet. Get his book so you can figure out what levers you need to pull. Amos, it's been such a pleasure having you today. Thanks for the really fun conversation. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was, a, it was a blast. My guest today has been Amos Schwartzfarb, who is the managing director of Techstars Austin and the author of best-selling book, Levers. So appreciate it, Amos. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. We'll see you Bye. next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that will help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it, it'll help your team think more strategically, and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's going to give you a plan that you can execute successfully. You have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful. And we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus you can use the code podcast for $100 off. Course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course, use the code podcast for $100 off. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.